Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong, and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. But there'll be other occasions, like today, where we get the opportunity to sit down and pick the brains of some of the most exciting voices in horror. Today, we are having a conversation with filmmaker Simon Barrett. Simon is best known for writing a slew of horror classics, including Your Next, The Guest, Blair Witch, and lots of others. Simon is releasing his newest feature, Seance. Simon sits down with Development Hell today to talk about what it's like directing horror, We talk about unmade remakes and sequels that are not likely to happen. Seance comes out in theaters, in demand, and digital on May 21st. All right, so please enjoy this interview with Simon Barrett. So how would you introduce yourself? An independent filmmaker, mostly of smaller horror films that uh, the person I'm talking to usually hasn't seen. You have so many horror screenplays under your belt from Dead Birds to Your Next. I'm a big fan of all of them. Have you always been interested in horror specifically or did you kind of fall into it? Uh, well, first of all, I wouldn't say that there are like no genres that don't interest me. Although, you know, I admit that I, it usually takes me a bit of a hurdle to get into a musical to process the fact that the characters are singing to me. And, and once I can get over that, I can enjoy them. I, yeah, but, I feel like but, people either can do musicals or they can't. It's kind of like a line I in the can, sand. I can. It's just like the first five minutes, I'm always like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They're like, singing. What have, yeah, what have I done? You know, like, like whatever yeah. it is, you know, whether... 
you know, from <laughs> Hamilton to Book of Mormon. It doesn't matter like how good it is. I'm still like sitting there during the first five, 10 minutes being like. Because when it's the musicals where they literally sing the whole time, I like my butt hurts immediately. And then, yeah, but well, you know, I guess I, I guess <laughs> I actually liked uh, Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd, which did that. Like that was that was one that like I kind of was into that not a lot of other people did. I mean, I'll admit like like most uh uh, like like most people the last musical i enjoyed in the theater was of course cats so you know that leaves you with just a complicated feeling about wait wait, wait. I, i'd the, say the, cinema you saw general. that in a theater or did you see cats the movie in in theaters no 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 i mean i saw cats the movie in a theater i didn't oh, see cats no. in a theater well i think <laughs> i don't know which would be worse well here's the thing though is like so okay so say you're watching a bunch of cats in makeup dancing around you're still watching like talented dancers like doing it in front of you and there's like an inherent kind of entertainment value in that performance that like whether people kind of understand it or not is lost when they become you know these cgi kind of um you know obviously monstrous things so so like i i think i would have probably had a more sincere experience with the play but i thoroughly enjoyed the motion picture i mean i was entertained for every second I, i have not seen it Oh, it's really, it's really good. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, right. no, yeah. I'm surprised. A I want people... more horror musicals because they are out there. They are out there. Few, um, few uh, and far what between. Was, um, I was seeing Legend of Beaver Dam. Never heard of it. Dam? What is that? Uh, well, see, my my brain is 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 having a hard time totally mm-hmm. dredging it up, so I'm not going to dig into it because I can't speak about. That's it That's fair. I'll Google it. I like the title. Doesn't yeah. sound like a musical, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was, and I'm pretty sure I saw <laughs> it, and I, and I'm friendly with the filmmaker, but I want to oh. make sure that I'm not totally misremembering everything about it. Well, I'll um, promise I'll is... cut it out if 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 it's misinformation. Oh no, leave it in. This is good content okay. either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. one called was it Dead and Breakfast that was a musical? I'm trying Dead to Dead and Breakfast of... was I saw it. Comedy, yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. Dead and Breakfast. I remember it being like a horror comedy. Yeah, it comedy. Very for interesting. Sure. Yeah. 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 I remember liking it. Uh, Me too. but in a vague way where everything else has receded except just that like sense of mm-hmm. sense of like vague satisfaction yeah like everything from 2004 like well, that is comforting and far away yeah i don't really remember yeah that was a yeah it was like severance that year it was yeah just like movies severance. that kind of pleasant film no Good you movie. know what severance was cre- creep was 2004 uh, Smith's creep. creep that's was... what i was thinking of i'm okay so obviously the new creep excellent not the patrick film. bryce creep yeah no of course the, not the patrick bryce mark duplass creep is amazing it's amazing but it overshadows that british creep it which is so great, scary which is such a scary film i agree i think that's a really <laughs> scary oh uh franca patente is like the lead in that right and uh oh really i think i think so and a star um, yeah and and i think that's like a really that movie kind of reminded me of that old uh British cannibal in the subway movie, uh, raw meat or death line. Um, was and... it midnight meat train? No, that's no, another no, one midnight altogether. Meat train was a little later. The re- that you're talking about like really high Kitamura, like Clive Barker adaptation. That movie yeah, yeah, um, has its, has its own thing going on for sure. Um, with Bradley wow. Cooper, but, uh, yeah, but, like, but yeah, yes. there's a there's a there's a cool old Gary Sherman film. I, I think from the mid seventies, maybe that uh-huh. could be misplacing it that, um, 
called Raw Meat, Cannibal Living in kind of like the the London Underground Rail. Oh my God. And I always and like Creep felt to me like um like it was working kind of in the realm of that movie, but in a really cool, like scary way. Yeah. And uh, yeah. no one really talks about that film anymore. But Nobody I, talks about it. And it's I think about it regularly because there was a surgery scene in it that oh yeah. I'm gonna say traumatized me. I'm no. traumatized. I saw that. So I saw that at at Toronto. I saw that. No at way! Two. They played yeah. that at Toronto. Good for yeah, us. It was the same year as Dead Birds. <gasps> um, See, it's so sad. That so this is the first more. film festival like I ever went to. Is like one. It, it was the first screening I ever saw at Toronto. Was Creep. You, I'm um, assuming you guys were Midnight Madness. Yeah, we were Midnight Madness, but we cool. were like we were kind of like a lesser Midnight Madness. So we were like Tuesday or Wednesday. We were like kind of midweek. Okay. So I I'm think familiar. Like, I think that, yeah, exactly. You know, you know how it kind of dips <laughs> in the middle sometimes. Yeah. Um. And so we kind of like I think I kind of flew in like I was you know totally broke back then, so I couldn't like afford to like just hang around. But I knew I had a badge, so I could see free movies. Cool. So I wanted to be there for as long as possible. Um, just to see as much as I could. So I think I like flew in on a Sunday or something and, and creep was like the Monday midnight movie. And I think we were, <laughs> it would I think, we, I think we were like Tuesday. Um, so yeah. And that was my first, uh, that was my first tiff. Um, I was wow. just up in Toronto a couple months ago. That's so yeah. cool. I, there, I also feel like dead birds is another movie that needs more to be remembered more. Oh, thank you. That, uh, you know, I, 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 that was such an early script for me. I, I, I kind of only see like, you know, the, the mistakes and, and, inad- mm. and inadequacies kind of present in that work. And, and I'm sure I'll feel the same way about everything else I'm working on currently in 20 years, um, which is good. I, I think artists should, you know, push themselves to get better. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, but, sure. but, you know, yeah, you know, it's, I think just a lot of films of that era, if they weren't like massive hits, have been a teeny bit lost in kind of the like modern HD era, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like films like dead birds. I think dead birds was like on shutter for a little bit. And so was creep, but like, you know, there's not really a streaming service that's like gonna probably want to spend a lot of money on these things other than shutters. So, you know, we like, it's kind of just a weird time in terms of home video for some of these dead birds was really the only reason anyone financed dead birds, which was a film that I initially wrote thinking I was going to direct it myself and make it for under a hundred grand was my original plan with that script. And that worked out actually much better than I'd planned Uh in some ways, uh, but it didn't start my directing career. Um, You know, the only reason we got the money to make that movie, which was a $1.5 million film financed uh, indirectly by Sony was because it was that DVD boom era where mm-hmm. just like any movie that was even remotely competent and could be marketed as like a commercial product would instantly sell, you know, $10, $20 million worth of DVDs worldwide. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. These studios were just, you know, it was kind of like just the second wave of the VHS boom. So yes. studios were just cranking out, you know, video store content. And that's really what Dead Birds and Creep kind of both were. Okay. And, you know, there's no market for that anymore. You know, it's all streaming now for these. So it was, it was financed. Titles. You didn't just make it and then they bought it. Like they wanted to make that movie. Yeah, no, Dead Birds was like a script sale that like, so it was a neg- it was what we used to call. And I guess what we still somewhat call, although I guess, I guess it's increasingly kind of a misnomer, like a negative pickup deal where Dead Birds was an independent film technically, but a studio had technic- had kind of pre-bought it and mm-hmm. were financing it through like other companies uh, with the understanding that they would own and distribute it. And usually the reasons studios do that is just because they don't have the infrastructure to make a bunch of like cheap direct-to-video content as well as a bunch of smaller independent studios do. So they might as well just like pre-buy these movies uh-huh and kind of share in the profits with the companies. Also, they would do it sometimes to circumvent union regulations because a studio like Sony probably has a 
deal with the Writers Guild. And I was a non-WJ writer at the time making a $1.5 million movie. So, you know, so you are able to make lower budget movies that way with studio financing kind of kind of under the table, but there's nothing shady about it. It's just kind of a way for them to pre-acquire an independent film, really. So it, it was independent, but its financing came through the understanding that a studio had basically pre-bought the video rights um, and that, you know, that would instantly put the film into profit, which I'm sure it did. Well, it's one of those mysterious releases, kind of like Dead End, that I'm still obsessed with, and I'm happy that we've got Dead End. I, you know, I also Dead think that, a uh, I also think that film End of the Line. That's another subway that's horror an, movie. That's of the era. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. That apocalyptic subway horror movie. I also feel like that's a really lost one. Oh, um, there's, did, I love this era of end, lost. People remember because it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie, but you know the cast too. Also, yeah. the cast of Dead Birds yeah. is also pretty iconic. You got is that that's Henry Thomas. That's Henry Thomas. Wild. Uh, and, and, and we, 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 you know, I will say this for Alex Turner, who directed that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he, I, I really like Alex. He's a friend and I mm-hmm. think a good director. But he was really up on trying to cast interesting people. And like, he did. like we were trying to cast, um, like, like, uh, Zach Galifianakis in that movie. <laughs> cool. Like way, way before, Weird era you know, Zach way Galifianakis. Or any of that stuff. Just yeah, that like, was when like, he was like in Fiona Apple music videos and stuff. Yeah, was... and he was really just doing like alt comedy videos for like like you know it was like Sub Pop Records was putting them out and stuff. So so like you know Alex really did want to like you know he knew that we weren't trying to make just like a B horror movie and that it was like the solution to getting out of there was an interesting cast. So we ended up with like Michael Shannon, Patrick Fugit, and right. Mark Boone Jr. Nikki Acox. We okay, had where's a... the sequel to Dead Birds? Can this? Can this can oh yeah, that... that's a film that people are definitely clamoring for. Yeah, this um, is, there's a like a demographic of one for that project. <laughs> it's me. Um, so I noticed that Dark Castle is on board for Seance. I yeah, don't... yeah, they um... were they were my kind of American, uh, you know, producing partners or financing partners. I should okay, say for the film. That's really cool, and in my opinion, that's very iconic because I am a child of the Dark Castle horror era so i thought that was really exciting the interesting thing is that like dark castle has kind of a comforting nostalgia now for people kind of of our age where like you know younger horror fans grew up watching like the you know not the william castle originals of course but like house on hill and 13 ghosts and obviously orphan and gothica is like the best weird it's such yeah but it's like it's such a good movie and, i love and, it and, and oscar so, winners all over it i mean, I mean absolutely and, it, and <laughs> it, it kind of feels like they're doing like a sleazier what lies beneath with that yes film. which how can you make that sleazier but they did i, I know i i really 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 enjoy both films I, but, when um, i saw that i was like oh i'm so jealous you made a dark castle movie because they were the event i remember being like what's the dark castle movie this year house of wax cool oh house of wax so is a great you. one too that's coming out on blu-ray i just saw but yeah so so yeah it's really cool and I, and I will say, um, you know, I, I, I was totally willing to get indulgent with that. I actually shout out cool. to um, Kelly, Kelly Gallagher at Dark Castle hey, um, because I requested the 90s Dark Castle logo on Seance. Good. I wanted the original logo that was on House of Haunted Hill, but they like... Wait, there's a new one that sucks. Oh. They, they redid them over the years. There's not a new, new one. Actually, is the funny thing, like they, they have kind of like just the latest version, but, but it went through various iterations over the years. And I was like, I want the first one. I want the one that was on House of Han Hill because I remember seeing that in theaters. Yeah, this is cool. So, so they actually um, they didn't have like a, a scope version. So they went and they actually did a new scan of like a thirty-five millimeter print of House on Haunted Hill to like 
create this new logo for Sans. And I think, I think they spent like a thousand bucks on it. I mean, it was like, Good. I, I appreciated that they did it. Good. And, then, and then Hanway wouldn't let me use their logo, but that's, it's different anyway. But yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Dark Castle is back, but they're, you know, uh-huh. it's a different thing. I mean, cause it used to be like Joel Silver with like a studio output deal. And now they're, now they're kind of back and they want to do, you know, the modern thing, which is these kind of smaller, you know, indie horror projects. Mm-hmm. They want to kind of be working in the more the the Blumhouse, yeah, okay, Blumhouse, yeah. yeah, that kind of space. Hey, I'm open armed. I am ready for what they've got. I so. am too. Seance is their first project. Oh, and, that's and, so cool. That's historical, in my opinion. So yeah, I mean, no, I I'm that. I'm really kind of like honored. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know they have other stuff in the works, but Seance is you know the first one uh, to come out. You know, and and they were really very hands off. I mean, you know, like like. You know, they were on set for a few days, kind of each, like each of the Dark Castle execs, you know, they'd drop by and just be kind of like, okay, looks like it's going great. And then, you know, they had some notes in the editing room, but really ultimately they let me make the film I wanted to make. I think they really kind of understood that like to be independent film producers is is different than being studio producers. And Mm -hmm. they kind of had to just trust me that I was going to get it right. And also the budget was so low. I think they were just like, well, you know, yeah, how bad can you screw up? um yeah. so you know so it, it worked out fine um, and you're the yeah, creative they, and i think they know that and you know they have to have some trust otherwise yeah you know in this particular case i think it really was that i was working at a, a budget level that you know n- not a lot of people have a lot of experience at you know producing you know a, a few things under five million and you know i kind of really did know how to achieve seance cost wise you know, because I knew we were making it for, you know, much less than like The Guest or Blair Witch, for example. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, so I think it was my ability to kind of confidently say, like, here is how I'm going to make this for this budget, you know, that that made Dark Castle kind of trust me. And, I, you know, that was just because I had that body of experience. From yeah, you've got the horror pedigree. Films. Probably yeah. more than they do, who, whoever's there right now. And Well, uh, they, you know, they're <laughs> definitely working on it. But yeah, it, it's somewhat true. You know, yeah, I, I had made more horror movies than, than they have. And I'm yeah. sure they're competent. Um, uh, they what's, your, what's your favorite Dark Castle movie, if you had to say? That's a great question. You know, I'm probably going to say... Answers. No, I'm going to say Orphan. Orphan's a good answer. I'm not just saying, it's, and I'm not just saying this because yeah. uh, Seance producer Alex Mace like, has like a story credit on that one. That's like really his baby. That's um, a, I mean, but, listen, I mean, that's just such a fucking great movie. It's infamous i think i I really think it's like every frame of that movie is entertaining oh yeah like like, and and uh the director of that film i'm sure i'm gonna pronounce his name wrong it's like home colette sarah i believe um you know he's gone on to much bigger projects and uh i think he's a really interesting cool director i i tend to always see his work because he's always going to be doing you know he's one of the like least lazy directors in Hollywood and that like okay. I just the amount of shots he gets are insane and he's not working with the biggest budget so Orphan which is not a low budget film I think it was like it looks tw- big 20 million it, it might have even been more because the way they made those movies back then was insane it might have been uh-huh. as much as 40 for that insane script which is wonderful because it's, it's just like this impeccably script. made film that is like completely berserk. Um, yeah, I don't even know if you could make that story today. I think that you would run into problems. I, so I'm, I, I, I'm grateful I, that we have it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't but, know well, either. Look, I mean, the, the the question is not an abstract one. It's not academic because they just made an orphan prequel. I know, uh, and I'm ready for. And it. that's Dark Castle. That's their next project after that's Seance. Smart. They ended up doing that with like uh, Kareem Hussein, who shot Seance. They brought him on to shoot as. Uh, orphan or orphan two and they brought in a lot of my crew from uh 
from Winnipeg. Uh, yes. And I think even shot in some of our locations as well. Like they basically kind of used the seance production model to do Orphan 2. And so I'm, I'm like, fascinated is directing it or i could be wrong was it william William brent bell william brent bell uh yeah Yeah. the gentleman who did uh the boy and the boy too very stay alive stay alive is one of my 2004 classics stay alive oh yeah that was 2004 yes or five maybe or six god i don't know but i love that movie i am for this podcast i'm circling around uh, House on Haunted Hill three because I know that was in development for some time and oh, then didn't yeah, make it because they did return of House return they to House did. on Hill for the video and that was actually okay I thought yeah, yeah no. it was like choose your own adventure uh, you know I didn't even like I mean I didn't even respond like I I, I think I, I think I was supposed to respond quicker but like I proposed a House of Reanimator and like Phantasm's End for this I think like six hours in advance so uh, it's off topic for your podcast well, come see come see I'm just happy that we've got you here and speaking of I am gonna head into this direction now so um what would be your definition of development hell as a screenwriter like what is it to you I mean yeah it's it's I I would say you know. When people say script development, you know, they mean obviously the develop the part of making a film prior to active pre-production, which usually is just writing. And yeah, it's when you, it's when you start grinding on draft after draft after draft and it's not getting better and the notes aren't getting better and there's Mm -hmm. no real like finish line in sight, but at the same time, like there's enough momentum and enough people want to make it that it just kind of keeps going and going and going and your executives get fired and replaced and the new executives have new notes and so like this, yeah just... there's a new mandate and it's going in a new direction oh, not a mandate. and maybe it'll get greenlit so you know obviously like you know anyone who's been doing this as long as i have has has experienced that firsthand uh-huh. um, i don't have a really negative attitude about it though and i will say that like i, I to my knowledge uh, I don't think I've ever had like a real nightmare experience like some of the stuff you've covered on this pod. Of my yeah, own maybe you've scripts. been lucky slash good at what you do. It's hard to know. Well, I don't know. You know, I, I at this point in my career, uh, you know, I mean, at a certain point, all your projects, like all your script projects are like baby sea turtles, like in a nature <laughs> documentary, right? Mm-hmm. Like where you're rooting for them all, but you just know like a few of them are going to get picked off by seagulls. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and, and so like that's always <laughs> the way it is. So you always have to have more than one like if you just have one script and that's like your one project, I I, I always think that's not it's, enough. It's like so you, dangerous. It's that's like so, you need to have like so five dangerous. projects in development. Because, oh, for, you know, for, it's or, like having kids in medieval times. That's just, exactly what it's like. Oh, that's absolutely. Exactly because did like, you see was, Planet Earth two? Do you know what I'm talking about? I have like I think the first. It was I have Planet Earth on Blu-ray, one. but like because I used to you know just smoke weed and watch Planet Earth. And you know, do you remember okay. the segment with the iguanas and the snakes? Oh yeah, we're like yeah, we're like the one iguanas run like it went like <laughs> yes, viral and, all, and like, like eight thousand snakes, snakes like so they come out of is nowhere. The industry, in my opinion, <laughs> that's like yeah, that's you like trying to get a script to like the finish <laughs> yeah, line with like a, a, with no, an original idea intact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the memes, the memes kind of do write themselves, I guess. Yes. But, like, but yeah, I mean, it is one of those things where you just know it's so hard to get a movie made, especially if yeah. you want to make kind of weird original genre movies, which is the kind of thing that I especially uh-huh. enjoy doing. And and to be absolutely honest, like I think anyone looking at my body of work, you know, can say, well, this guy sometimes loses people money. <laughs> like if you look at the guest or something like that and how much it made oh, really? at the box office. Yeah, I mean- I that saw was that a, at TIFF too. I'm surprised. That, that was a real, you know, a real box office flop, you know, and, oh, it, was, know and it was not a totally cheap movie. It was, uh, you know, 4.5 million. So, so, you know, so my career kind of stalled a little bit there, honestly. Okay. 
Um, the producers of that film, I think, you know, really didn't want to double down on financing something like Seance. Um, and, you know, after, after kind of losing all the money they'd made off your next, I think everyone was happy with it. And I think we all felt like we'd made a pretty good film. Is there any truth to the, your next two? Because again, be... when I think of development hell, I think of at the very least, at some point, someone was doing some work and your next two, honestly, no one has ever really done any work on it. We've just talked about it a bunch. And then when the oh. movie flopped, we stopped talking about it. And then everyone was like, Hey, what was your idea for that? And we're like, Oh yeah, we had some kind of like, we had this kind of a, like vague notion, but it was based on people liking the first film. <laughs> and, people and, love and, the first film. How dare you? Well, they do now. Like you know, but 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 you know, it, it really was not a, enough of a box office success that anyone would have financed a sequel. And I can say that okay. for a, a fact. Um, you I know, believe what, you. <laughs> yeah. So so <laughs> um, so, but, oh, but because sucks. of that, like I didn't. There was no development hell for your next two. I mean, to be honest, your next was never a film where. Like at the beginning stage, I thought a sequel made any sense. You know, it was never a film where I like when I was writing it, I was like, oh, and, and maybe if this is successful, we'll do a sequel. The sequel mm. talk started happening kind of when the movie had a big sale at Toronto. And we were like, oh, wait, people really like this. You know, and Lionsgate mm -hmm. kind of were saying to us, if this is a success, you know, because we've had a lot of success with things like the Saw franchise and the Hostel films, you know, if this is a success, we're going to want to do another year next. And we were like, oh, shit wow, like, no, like we didn't ever expect to hear those words. You know, that's interesting. Like, what are we going to do if that happens? And so we started kind of, you know, because we don't just want to hand this over to some other filmmakers. And, you know, we want to, you know, uh, we want to do something else with Sharni's character and, and explore this further and, 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 and do something really funny. Um, and so we kind of started like brainstorming funny ideas. And this was, you know, Adam and also, uh, you know, Keith Calder and Jess Calder, you know, the producers on that film. Mm -hmm. You know, we were all like, we were all really like, uh, Kind of excited about the idea and you know they've brought it up some from time to time over the years um but you know the the, the marketability of a year next two is is so low and and i mean this sincerely that like i really think we're just better off like letting the original movie stand on its own at this point because there's nothing we could do with your next two that wouldn't i think like fail to live up to fans imagination and expectations it's high yeah well you know it's that star wars prequel thing where you you know you get there and you're like oh yeah that's kind of how i figured darth vader got started but i guess i ex expected it to be like you know i i pictured it a little cooler i guess yeah so it was just rumors about how like it could have been about her it, it, like surviving a police station encounter no, uh well that was one there you know the main one that i had was that she, like she was going to be in like a prison transport uh. act and so she's kind of in the woods and has to take refuge in a meth lab cool um yeah and it was slightly riffing my buddy josh slates had like this slasher script called meth lab that i thought was kind of cool good title and, and yeah and so i was kind of ripping ripping off his idea with that pitch like anyway mm -hmm. um but you know we're both from like mid-missouri uh he and i so you know i i like you know it's it, it's it's in our it's in our kind of is that meth country cultural... i wouldn't have known but oh, your yeah. tone makes me think well, that it's know, meth country. i mean technically Cal the, the state that i live in now is the biggest meth state in the u.s but i think missouri is number two um, and Congrats. If you look at, if you look, yeah, and if you look at the population <laughs> size, that really means like more meth per capita, I assume, in Missouri. Yeah. So that's that, you know, that's just where we grew up. And, okay. you know, and I definitely remember like a lot of my friends like doing speed in high school and stuff. And, wow. and you know, that's just what we called it back then. And and so um, whereas uh, meth has more of a ring to it, I'll admit. It so anyway, so, you know, she would have taken it. So but what I liked about um, the idea of a meth lab, of course, um, is, you know, the, the, the a lot of the creative DNA for your next um stemmed from you know my obsessive 
childhood fandom of Home Alone, which of course itself is riffing fairly directly on Straw Dogs. So, you know, the fun thing about a meth lab is there's a bunch of crazy traps because because meth lab, like, you know, meth, like it's a common thing in Missouri for like, uh, you know, you have to be really careful when you bust a meth lab because people will set crazy traps, not even I think because they're worried about the police, but more just because they're worried about their meth lab getting stolen. Mm -hmm. Um, And because they're working with dangerous chemicals and explosives and stuff, the, the, the way they'll booby trap their stash tends to be like pretty insane i love Um, that and so you know so just like looking through reading stories and articles and stuff about like the ways various meth labs had been you know like the kind of like um you know homemade defense systems that people would create in the middle of like a five-day sleepless meth cook binge oh my god you know really insane stuff and broken breaking bad touched a little bit on this kind of territory of course right so, so that was kind of like, I thought a potentially really fun thing. And also, you know, you could, you could, you know, w- like what if Sharni's character is like handcuffed to someone or she ends up escaping with like a bunch of inmates and, right. you know, some of them are friends and some of them are foes. And meanwhile, you know, the, the, you know, the lamb mass killer is trying to get revenge and now he can't feel pain because he got stabbed in his frontal lobe, you know, and some like weird thing, you know, so we were all like spitballing crazy ideas, but I mean, it was never, pen was never put to paper. I never typed the words you're next to into well, a Well, there were draft definitely document. like bloody disgusting articles with this information in it because it got I, to me somehow. No, it's just because, you know, whenever we do interviews like this one and we talk mm. about stuff like this because people ask us these questions, then, ah. you know, that's fodder for content and articles. Yes, and I don't, yes, I don't begrudge anyone that. I, I myself uh, enjoy reading those articles about like other filmmakers. You know, I'm like, oh, that's interesting that like, Sam Raimi had this in development for a number of years or something. You know, I I do find that kind of like stuff interesting. So it makes sense to me that your next fans are like intrigued that for like a hot minute, Adam and I were like, you know, brainstorming a year next two, and we had some ideas that they think are kind of amusing, but I, I, I was never, I, I never wrote a word and I can assure you I was never paid a dollar. So it's not going to be the, the Ty West like prequel. Oh, to... like Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, no, I meant like, next... the, like the Tyrese character that dies right away. Oh, like... oh, so yeah, t- t- uh, Ty- Tyreek, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which yeah, for yeah, some yeah, reason yeah. Is, is his name. <laughs> because... uh, the best character is so funny. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe that actually that actually is exactly what, in all sincerity, like why Adam <laughs> and I shouldn't make it your next two. No, it, it's Instantly, should. I'm like, actually, yes, I would love to make a prequel that's Tyrese's character, but it's not like a horror movie at all. No, yeah, it's, it's just like it's a drama just, about him yeah. making his movies no it's just like him at like a regional film festival yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. like 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 having drinks with a local critic and just like having yeah. like a kind of like quiet evening and you know it's just kind of like yeah it's just it, it would just be like this like kind of slice of life movie it would be four hours long i would watch it you're then um so do you have do, are there any movies of yours in development hell that we can that we can touch base on um i mean i i would say that probably i guess like if i have a famous development hell project at this point um you know i I, i've had a few projects that people are kind of vaguely aware of that were announced that haven't come to fruition but i would say the one that i get asked the most about is for a very long time um i i've been the writer attached to the kind of non-existent u.s remake of i saw the devil i saw this okay this is good this is so that would be that would be probably my development hell project but i wouldn't necessarily call that development hell Mm. because it's really just like i wrote a script we all liked it no one wanted to finance it and so uh it didn't happen (laughs) so it's just like development 
death. Yeah, it, it's not a good chapter of my no. career. You know, I didn't. No. I, I I I did it for like WGA ultra low budget minimums. So. I was gonna say, did you get it? You got paid? So. No, I think I ultimately got paid about twenty five grand uh, to write what you know what we were conceiving as like a forty million dollar movie. But you know, twenty five grand is nothing to shake a stick at. You know, but it was. I did do like several drafts. I did like five different drafts and. You know, that was the problem is I was just getting it's like kind of summer weird. camp money. If you think about it in terms of how many hours you put into it, I try to not dwell <laughs> yeah. on that. But yeah, I mean, I admit that, that I was kind of getting ground a little bit on I Saw the Devil. I felt like with the Aww. producers and, you know, Adam was really happy with the the draft, I, I you know, from the start. And, and, you know, we really knew what we wanted to make. And, and I think like Keith and Jess, who were who we kind of wanted to bring on to produce that film was like they kind of ended up working with us to help acquire the rights and i think they really shared our vision but it, there was no way to do it cheaply mm -hmm. and you know because if you think about like what the original i saw the devil is they got mm -hmm. like basically um you know the two biggest actors kind of in korea at the time and like the biggest director in korea and yep. they made this like crazy you know nc-17 in america you know I, I, like you oh, know yeah. like like you know extreme serial killer revenge movie yeah uh, that that flopped in every country oh and it did so, oh yeah it was a massive box office failure in korea um uh -huh. like when we were chasing the rights like um initially in korea like before we found out that adi shankar had them and and just worked it out with him and he was just like oh yeah great i'd love to work with you guys um <laughs> yeah. you know and and uh but we were initially kind of pursuing them ourselves and we were in seoul for a bit um, you know, on another project and, and we were kind of trying to figure out what the deal was with I Saw the Devil and people were just like, uh, maybe we can like, maybe we can this? sell you the rights to like another film that did well. <laughs> yeah. And like, we're like, why, no, no, no. We're like, no, we want I Saw the Devil. They're like, no, no, no. Like Kim Ji-Woon's done way better, bigger movies. Well, like, like you want a bittersweet life. And we're like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> we do also maybe want that one. Sure. But we want, but we want I Saw the Devil. And, and so... You know, and especially because, you know, Adam and I had done the film A Horrible Way to Die, which premiered at yep. Toronto the same year as I Saw the Devil. And like our we had the under $100,000 serial killer movie and, and they had the like masterpiece, you know, <laughs> that was filmed over like, you know, 195 days. You don't want to see like a cheap version of I Saw the Devil, I feel like. You don't want to see like the Mumblecore version. The Martyrs remake, you know, it's not exactly <laughs> something that we wanted or needed. Well, that uh, unless you made it, and then I'm sorry. I, no, no, I didn't make <laughs> I know, it. I, I didn't make it, and I, I have to admit, I, I, ha I haven't even wa I haven't even watched <laughs> it. I'm a I'm a big fan of Martyrs, of course. Me too. Um, so no, it, it is one of those things where like you really have to justify the existence, I think, of a remake to fans. And I think mm -hmm. we had a really, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I wrote the script, but I think we had a really cool take on I Saw the Devil, uh, and we were kind of changing a lot of things with like Kim Ji Woon's blessing, like. Uh, to, by my understanding, I never communicated with him directly. I should oh, I was say, ask. but okay. no, I wish. But I mean, yeah. I also don't. I mean, I can say, I can say, thank you in Korean, and that's that's my limit. So you know, I, 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 yeah, I don't know that, how that would have gone. <laughs> but but like, um, but yeah, I think. Uh, anyway, was oh yeah, I think the script was actually pretty good. I, I was <laughs> going to say, although immodestly, it was very different from the original. I saw the devil, and I, I felt like the fact that it, we took the story in a different direction would have kind of justified the existence of an English language remake in this case, because it was really kind of a, a different way to approach the same basic cool concept while keeping, I, I hoped like all of the big awesome set pieces, you know, our version of those that, you know, that people love about the original. So I, I felt like I'd done as good a job as, you know, a writer can kind of do remaking a film like that, but 
it still was a very violent script and and i don't think i mean look i'm not gonna mince words we basically were offered uh a deal with a studio if we could make it pg-13 to and to by the way to keith and jess's credit like i think keith's response in that meeting was just like have you seen the original film executives room was just like no (laughs) and 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 he was just like i mean adam and i didn't even have to say anything i I, that was a situation where i felt like our producer was just like because we didn't you know keith spent money acquiring the rights to i saw the devil so we don't want to ever be like turning down a studio deal that could like cost Mm -hmm. him money you know and prevent him from recouping his investment and i saw the devil and you know adi shankar is a good friend and he spent money on it and we want him to recoup his investment too so it's like we wanted this to at the very least go somewhere and get made by somebody if it wasn't us but it's 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 at the end of the day i think the script i wrote would cost really to do it well with the amount of action in it somewhere between i i would say 30 and 40 million um and hollywood doesn't really make not a film that's like necessarily and they know that it's not a film that's necessarily going to travel overseas because the first movie kind of didn't right um so you know it's not like it's not like they can say like oh well this will do really well in China because it's not going to be releasable in China either. Um, That's right. Because Death Note did really well internationally, right? I I believe so, but I wasn't directly involved with Death Note. So I I could not, I could not, I I know, but I I could not totally speak to that. I believe Mm -hmm. Death Note, I know, was very well received critically in Japan. Cool. um, In in contrast with kind of how it was received in North America. Um, And I assume we're just referring to Adam's live action adaptation. Uh, Yes, that's all I know about. Yeah. So, I mean, but so sometimes you can say like, oh, well, this movie will do well overseas and that'll be how we recoup our investment. But there's no version of I Saw the Devil doing really uh, (laughs) like because it just kind of is. Well, I mean, I think if we'd gotten the right movie stars, which I, I, I would like to flatter ourselves that I think we could have actually attracted because... You know, again, I think, um, you know, we were hearing weird things like how like Denzel Washington is a big like I saw the devil fan and like it was just like, what? Yeah, well, we're, you know, yes, we'd work with Denzel Washington. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, can he can he, you know, so we were hearing like, you know, that they were like big stars that, had, that anybody were, had else kind of, Denzel Washington's enough. But anybody well, else? Well, that's the only name that I like really remember. Uh, but uh, we, that's we, enough. Yeah. You know, I remember. Uh, but I but like, you know, but I don't even know if that's real, by the way. Like, like, you know, that's things that like we heard. We heard that at one point, like he was kind of chasing the project himself okay um, so i can't trying... call this episode i saw the devil no i mean look I, I i truly have no idea if that was true it's just like some I'm weird, gonna weird thing that trickled down to us at one point and we were like oh my god yeah i could like, see what, him being into it he looks whatever cool. role he wants you know like <laughs> yeah. like, like we'll make it work you know like Oscar like Lennon. um you know he's obviously one of the greatest living actors and yes. and so you know, but he was also like concurrently directing Fences, so I was probably like, I don't really know. Like, yeah, we I, I don't really see how this is going to work. Listen, Halle Berry did Gothica right after Monsters a, Ball. You know, and that is a great point. Um, <laughs> but, but she probably had filmed it before she won her Oscar. I'd like to it, think she didn't. It was I her like passion project. Yeah, I, 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 I feel. Hey, I mean, let's. Like, <laughs> I, I know which film I prefer. And and so, you know, so yeah, so look, I think we could have made a really cool I Saw the Devil, but I also kind of think it's better that we didn't. And that's why I wouldn't say like development hell is because like, even though I worked really hard on it, and I would say like, I definitely put in like, probably more hours of work than kind of anyone because I was writing and doing these drafts. Um, uh, I don't feel bad about like, A, how I spent that time because I'm proud of the work I did. And I think it kind of like, 
you know, I, I was able to actually use that script as a writing sample for like some other kind of bigger projects because I was able to say like, look, I can write like a commercial action movie to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and then beyond that, I, I don't really know that like, I, I don't really know that we ultimately had enough different to say than the original film that it really justified the existence of a remake that would have forced everyone to clarify for the rest of their lives, which I saw the devil version they were talking about whenever they referenced the film's existence. It would have erased the original and it would have been tragic. But that's <laughs> well, what would know, have happened. But, and, you know, and we make, but we make fun of that kind of fan attitude, that kind of preciousness towards original property where people get mm-hmm. so mad at you if a remake or sequel is announced. But I also kind of get it. Because it yeah. is kind of annoying, and you can kind of spoil the cultural legacy of a project by doing a crappy sequel or a crappy adaptation that like forces you to have to explain for the rest of your life that like no, the original one is actually really good, you know. Like, oh, yeah. like, like I, I, I get why fans are annoyed and skeptical about remakes, and I get why people have almost a personal, this you know, would have antipathy. been the new, the uninvited. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, I am aware of the remake the of a PG Tale of Two thir- Sisters, the PG yeah. 13 American By the remake. Way, I, I didn't, I, I actually again, uh, starring Emily Browning, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually don't mind that movie. I think I haven't um, seen the remake because the original the is one of my favorite actually, movies. Uh, well, Tale of Two Sisters is obviously amazing, and mm-hmm. you know, um, but like like obviously obviously same director as i saw the devil but like i like Mm -hmm. the remake i think does as good a job uh as you possibly could for being what it is which is a fairly straightforward hollywood remake but the title made me so mad i know know. especially because it's like there's eight other things called the uninvited including yeah and a taylor two sisters is probably the best title i've ever heard in my life i don't know how well it would sell america i get it it doesn't say horror movie you know a tale of two scary sisters there well that would have fixed it but you (laughs) would have it's it's an emotional word no i actually i actually like i i want to finish that thought because I think Elizabeth yes. Banks is really good in The Uninvited and I think it's act- David Strathairn really? I think is the dad it's actually a better movie than it gets credit for because oh my God, I'm gonna watch it I think now. because people well here's the thing it's not as good as A Tale of Two Sisters of course because well, yeah. like almost nothing is and that movie is like every shot in that movie feels like it took like six hours to light it's like oh, a perfect looking movie um, and The Uninvited is you know an American remake but <laughs> I, I actually think it's pretty good I, I do I am aware of you know however that like remakes can come out and like totally spoil things and you know i i think like i think we didn't want to do that and especially after death note you know with kind of the way death note was received at least by like uh you know a a vocal contingent of online american fans of the original property i think adam really was like i'm not doing this again yeah i mean it's just like like you know i think (laughs) i really i really think uh adam's death note is a pretty smart film that that it's scary and it's it's like a good teen horror which i love that i i i got to see some of adam's early cuts and i think some of them were a little more you know they were a little weirder and a little more extreme and i get why netflix you know gave him notes but I think oh, they would have been. No. I think they would have been a little more clear. Critics never... wouldn't have reacted as negatively because I think Adam's messages were actually clearer. But he, you know, they they. I think the studio was reasonably kind of concerned, you know, with some of it, and so they they wanted it excised. And I think like I think ultimately it it did somewhat compromise the film. I know he doesn't feel that way about it. I'm not speaking on his behalf here. I'm speaking right. entirely on my own. But I personally feel like. Um, I, I one of his I saw an earlier cut that I preferred to the final cut uh-huh. because I thought it, it, the satire in it was 
more more manifest in what it was kind of saying. And I mean, Adam, I think really did try to make a Death Note spinoff with a lot of love. And I think he didn't really think that the fans wanted just another kind of regurgitation of the light Yagami tale. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess he was mistaken. Well, Um, they're making a new one. It must have been... uh moderate or big success to some degree. I, I think it was very well received kind of overseas, but here in America, I think people just, it, it got caught up in kind of an overall conversation of how these things are remade culturally. Well, and I, I, I don't, you know, and I think like there, that is a valid conversation, but you know, it can also be kind of weaponized in bad faith. And I think mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I think both things can kind of also happen at the same time, to be honest. Well, maybe so, you, you were know, lucky so I, at the end of the day because we could have been having this conversation not about the uninvited, but it could have been about you. So you could have been about I saw the devil. Well, and, and you know maybe that is it. Like like you know if you make you know it, it's it's a tricky thing because of course films are remade in other cultures, but if you remake I saw the devil and you cast white actors, you know is that whitewashing? Uh, you know I, I honestly don't know. It's a question that's like, worth it's a, asking. It, it's a question that's worth asking, and I'm not probably the right person to answer it because, among other things, I'm white. You know, so like they probably, probably I would. You know, probably that would be something that you know we'd have to kind of figure out. You know, is this is this enough of kind of a seen mm. as enough of a Korean cultural property that it's that been wrong to to, to transfer this to another culture? You know, without some uh-huh. direct acknowledgement of that. So you know, I mean, these are the questions that like a responsible artist does ask themselves when Listen, working with someone else's work, you know? I'm a gay Jew, so if you ever have questions, just, <laughs> just come to me, just and I'll know. Just yes. like, hey, is it, is, it, is it whitewashing if I do this? And you just text mm-hmm. back, like, wire and, it, and all that, yeah. great. It's just, like, emotocons. Great. Yeah, like, great. Okay, good like, to know. Thumbs good up, know. thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, like, um, yeah. Pride no, flag, pride flag. Well, um, generally, the good news is, I, the generally, I, I don't, I'm not in any doubt, like, when I see things, whether I think they're, like, problematic or not. But, it, you yeah. know, it, it was a complicated thing where we didn't see I Saw the Devil as being, for example, an inherently Korean story. We thought no. you could transfer it to, like, America and keep kind of the characters fairly much the same. But other people might have disagreed very strongly. And, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that as a filmmaker, you know, I don't even know if you really want to put yourself in a... If you're putting yourself in that situation, sometimes you have to wonder, like, am I just in the wrong to even be here? Maybe... I should just be not remaking someone else's work and I should be coming up with my own ideas, which was which is what I like doing better anyway. Who wants to pay me for it? I'd pay you for it. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. Um, okay, so my question here is, I love Blair Witch. It's a oh, comment. Cool. Uh, uh, if you could make another legacy franchise installment, what would you do? Of Blair Witch? No, 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 no. So Blair Witch is your legacy franchise <laughs> installment. Um, like, of all the big franchises that exist in, in the horror zeitgeist, like... Which oh. which would you continue on? So I'm which not allowed to say Face Off Two, which I'm currently working on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you absolutely can say Face Off. Are you I'm really working on Face Off Two? Yeah, yeah, Adam and I. Yeah, this was announced. Yeah, Adam and I are writing Face Off Two for Paramount, uh, and uh, producer Neil Moritz, uh, who did like the Fast and Furious films, is producing it. So that's my that's my most sincere answer. Is we're we're currently in development on Face Off Two, and I would not say we're in development hell. I would say we're in development heaven. How dare you say that? Someone said that to me recently, and I had to hit them. I hate it. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can beep that out if it if it's. No, too, I'm gonna keep myself upsetting. in yelling <laughs> under control. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No. Uh, so we are we are literally in active development, and it's going really nicely. And you know, we're about to turn in. We've we've delivered a couple treatments to the studio just to kind of explain oh, wow. them what our pitch is, and now we're kind of. Uh, we're oh about my god! To is it going to be gross? Draft. Is it going to be really gross? 
because I feel like the yeah. original is so gross. To I me think as it a is child. actually. I actually like like if you but found the original gross, you'll find this I did. gross. Yes. Nice. Yes. yes. Uh, that's a cool. That's a that's a good answer. Okay. Wait. What about something that you haven't been hired to do? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's probably a better answer. <laughs> um, but I like that one. That's gonna be the title. Boy. Um. Boy, I I really you know I mean. Too. I would have loved. I mean, when I was growing up, like my dream was, you know, to do like an Evil Dead movie someday. But at the same time, like you know, I don't even know what that would have been in my brain. Like I just was so in love with you know that series. You know, I know, and they haven't they haven't misstep yet, in my opinion. No, I agree. I mean, which is wild. I I actually agree. I'm I'm kind of. I I really do hope you know Fede does another one or or someone does another one because I I know it's such a crazy like property. Every time they make a movie, like. It, it kind of becomes its own fascinatingly unique thing. Yeah, even um, the show. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I. You know, I'm sorry. I. That's an answer that I, I should have given like an ounce of thought before we. Oh no, that's fine here. because I'm gonna give you my answer. Is that okay? okay there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, give me your answer, and I'll see <laughs> if I can think answer. of a cool one. And then maybe you can c- connect me. Um, unfortunately, I think I'm I'm lost in the water because they are making this into an Amazon series. But I really wanted to make a fourth. I know what you did last summer movie. And uh, include the third one in canon. I don't know if you're aware of the third one, but it, yeah, it directed does. by uh, Sylvan White. Uh, I, I'll always know what you did last summer. That's it. Yeah, that's I, the one. I, 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 I haven't <laughs> talked to him in years, but I used to know Sylvan. We, uh, we like we cool. randomly we randomly met through like our agent and like had a project together for a little like a second. Um, this is oh, like back jealous. in like 2005 or something. Like, yeah, like, that would be the era. <laughs> yep. And so yeah. And, and, um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've, I've seen all three of uh, that series, and actually, I will say that if you enjoy those films, you, you may enjoy Seance. Oh, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy Seance, <laughs> but uh, I will watch go. it the second it comes out. <laughs> um, and and my my pitch for this new I know you did this summer is called either Forever Summer with like the word for. Mm, yeah, good. do you like that? Uh, or... Yeah, because if someone's already done like like you know you can't do like. Yeah, that cool is actually summer. really good. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, no, that or is like good. Endless summer, maybe you know, just make it make make it like cuter. I really, I I do like the forever summer one. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. you do. I want yeah. Anne Heche back. Okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> she needs to be back, and we're gonna put her in like a Louisiana swamp, and that's well, all I've got. Let me ask you this: Like, is there any way to bring back Jack Black's character? absolutely i feel like he's like, like i feel like he's the heart of the series oh absolutely yeah the heart the soul everything i feel Nothing... like he was uncredited because he was embarrassed i, I believe him. he was uncredited because he was embarrassed. alan smithy yeah and 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 i'm gonna say that like if uh yeah it's a little embarrassing it's doesn't it doesn't hold up yeah but but Let's you know but, but it does hold up that he took his name off it so jack black is yeah. definitely like still yeah. super cool like we all like love him still like because oh, he, he just gets he gets better every oh, year he course. just better and better I, i'm confused by it no Although, and he's producing really cool stuff too he did oh, um he did my, my friend uh, ben david's movie happily and he does like cool stuff mm-hmm. but yeah like i i did i do really respect that he took his name off that film but it is a a hilariously uh, enjoyable performance I like it when you see performances like Paul Rudd in uh, Halloween Six, where you can just kind of tell. Like, so like the the deal with that production, I guess, was like he made that movie, and then he did Clueless before they came back and like reshot the whole thing. You know, as that film uh-huh. notorious, it was like extensively reshot. Producers so cut, he kind of yeah. already knew he was like, going to be a movie star, so he just like 
like kind of just like did this insane performance. And I, I think it's like one of the best and most enjoyable, you know, horror movie performances of that era. Uh, yeah. It, it just is it's he's very just Halloween different... six in every you, regard. You can't not enjoy yourself watching Halloween six. You can't not enjoy yourself. It's watching impossible. Halloween Although I will say that I watched the producer's cut and I was very disappointed. Yeah, you know, I the... agree. I saw it in theaters and it was you, yeah, you got to go original. or something. Well, yeah, it's just not there. Yeah, it's like it's less like, gross or something. It was like less. Yeah, it, it's just less it, less interesting. <laughs> I think yeah. it was the first Halloween movie I ever saw, and mm. I remember being like, I don't know, eight and seeing that Jamie death at the beginning in the farm, and I was like, well, I'm not gonna be okay ever again. My first was Halloween four, and and that's a pretty good, good one. one to start with. Good one because good because one. it really you know they were trying to kind of go back to the original at that point. So yeah, it, it was a classic place to start with. But then I was kind of mm-hmm. disappointed initially. I remember when I like first saw the original, I was like 14 or something, and not I was like, boring. Oh, that's, yeah, that's not that good. <laughs> yeah. And and then I saw it like a few just a few years later, and was like, whoa, I was yeah, an yeah, like, you know, the same, absolutely yeah. the same. Because when you're like 12 and it's like Sunday 11 a.m. and you're watching it with your dad, it's not scary. When, but yeah, later and, in life, you know, is. you're like, this has way fewer deaths than Silent Night, Deadly Night Five. So like, yeah. it's clearly an inferior film. Absolutely. And, and by the way, that's my answer. I would do Silent Night, Deadly Night Six. Wow, I need a subtitle. Um, <laughs> damn. Merry if only, Christmas. If only I'd come up with something clever. No, See, you know, yeah, yeah. this is why you have to prepare for the media because we will eat you alive. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's you know, it's ad- a good enough title. I like it. Oh, 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 here it is. Six, six, six. Oh yeah, that we you can always get away with that. But you know, I was, they did that with like Children of the Corn. I yes, feel like, I was just like, talking with Grady Hendrix about how I don't know why every sixth installment of every horror movie isn't six six six. I mean, it, it does be. feel like you got there. You ought to celebrate. You're there. You yeah, made it. Like, like you did it. You are, you have crossed the threshold where people no longer expect your sequels to be any good at all. No, like, no. If they are, no. it's like amazing. Um, but but if they're not, it's fine. No one cares. It's 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 fine. <laughs> I, um, I really oh I mean when are we going to get a final destination 6 is the I real don't question. know those movies just also just keep getting better I know and then I, they the stopped la- I I really 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 love the odd numbered final destination films Oh the I odd think- numbers yeah they uh, you see you know my favorite is number 2 I'm sorry it, you know what 5 is amazing but I I have a hard time with the characters in part 2 I know it's well, a lot of people's favorites I I think the freeway scene at that. the beginning is like really good but like I just don't I, I I'm just not down with like the tone the of the pregnancy stuff come on I mean you know I don't know that's also the first one where it really started to feel like people's like bodies in those films are just made out of like wet tissue paper and um, like, like, you know, they'll just like explode if something like bumps into them. And like, you know, I mean, it's great, but it also just started it. to feel a little goofy. I, I thought part three was really, uh, you Icon- know, iconic. The, so that, that's a, that is like genuinely one of the most like important cultural works of, of our time. Yeah, and what's James Wong up to these days? I want to. I don't know, him. and he's such a good director. He's so, he's so good. You know, he's, you know what? He probably has like some amazing TV show, and we have like. No I think idea. he does American Horror Story. Oh well, then yeah, there you there you go. Yeah, that probably that would that would totally make sense if he's involved in something like that because he's a he's so good. Direct. Like I can't see him just like not not directing. working. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Because yeah, because you know. Yeah, very... get a pretty little liar. Put her in a new Final Destination movie. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, oh. people love those films and, and you know, so, yeah, I, I assume the only reason they're not making them is they're expensive, <laughs> you know, and I assume the rights are complicated or something, but yeah. they, are, they look expensive. Yeah. Um, okay. I don't want to take up all of your time, even though I do, but my last question for you is what's, what's next for you? 
Well, uh, so Seance comes out, you know, in a couple of weeks, and then, uh, and but then I've already directed a segment of VHS ninety four. Oh my god, VHS ninety um, four. Yeah, where the, the we we the people uh, keep forgetting to ask us to make VHS sequels, so we have to just make them <laughs> and and release them and and I mean, and, and, and remind them, you know, that 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 was something maybe they wanted us to do. I mean, um, we do. Well, it's unclear, but but yes. Yeah, so, so so David Bruckner and uh, Radio Silence are producing this one along with um, cool. you know Josh Goldblum and also Brad Miska and a lot of the kind of so it's kind of like a lot of the original team and um, it's. Uh, it's myself and and Chloe Acuno and Jennifer Reeder, Timo Gianto, and uh, Ryan Prowse are the directors this time. So I'm kind of like one of the like like it's weird. I was just talking to Timo. Uh, he's in Jakarta, and I was just like, we're like the old guys now, man. It's like, yeah, cool, it's okay. We like survived, and we're still making VHS movies. It's okay. Well, that um, Indonesian installment from Part Two still makes me just. It's why I love horror. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Timo and Gareth's uh, safe haven segment is 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 a pretty high bar. Yeah, uh, it makes me so proud to be one eighth Indonesian. It, it it really is just such a. I mean, I remember. So you know, I was like a producer on that movie, and I remember like when they sent us like the first, and we were just like, uh, like we had no. I mean, they sent us the script, and we were like, okay, whatever. Like like fear, I, I I guess you're gonna do something like this, and then they sent us like the first cut, and it was just this like forty minute like horror action blockbuster basically it's so good they made that for you know the budget they made that for no they made that for fifty thousand dollars i uh, so it was just real then so they just captured <laughs> that actually happening that's so yeah, scary I mean, that's the only explanation they made that for 50 grand I, I like do not know I, and and i mean i just don't know how, i mean gareth evans and timo gianto are just like on a different level and you know you just have to kind well, of get whole, out of the way. That whole sequel was just it's such a classic. Every installment is. Well, and I remember, so like, yeah, I remember, like the like one of the one of the financing producers kind of that movie was like asking Adam and I to basically tell Timo and Gareth to like cut some stuff out, and we were just like, Mm-mm. not in a million years, no. <laughs> um, and ultimately, no, 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 no. you know that the again, this is I'm referring to you know uh, uh, U.S. ratings with this stuff, but you know VHS two got an NC seventeen. Um, yeah. because of because of my wraparound but also because of their segment and um you know i i sat there with a vfx artist and glitched out their their shots so that we weren't actually cutting anything and we could still get an r rating and i wouldn't have to cut like any other actual footage it would just be kind of distorted and cool because uh, I, I i just like told him i was like guys look they want to censor your stuff but i'm not gonna let them here's how we're gonna do it and That's also we're gonna make iconic. sure that and we're also gonna make sure that everyone just sees the unrated version Oh my god! Thank which, God I brought this up. That's which is I'm loving that we have that included in this episode. Yeah, so no, cool. I mean that was that was how we made the R-rated version for like WalMarts and stuff. I mean, like, I'm surprised what we saw is still R-rated. To be honest with you. <laughs> oh no, no, well, you. I guarantee you've seen the unrated version. The version. Oh, this, that, this, I, this, I, I must have. Yeah. I must have. Yeah, the version that like the version that everyone has seen, the version that would be like on Shutter or Netflix or streaming is always the unrated version. I just played it for my not horror loving friend and the zombie. Uh, the, the, the zombie walk, part, the walk like, in the park. One. Oh yeah, my uh, god, that really fucks her up. It's so funny though. I don't know how you would be scared of it, but it, it is fucked. So. No, I mean that's one of the more kind of overtly comedic segments. But I, I mean, I love that. I mean, the, the, yeah, that they they also are just like kind of. Uh, they, that was another one where we just had no idea what we were gonna get, and it was so funny to watch like that original so like like GoPro funny. zombie comedy. Um, I, I, I really, VHS2 was uh, a kind of tough film to make for a lot of reasons, but, mm-hmm. uh, but like, it was really fun whenever you get those first segments. It's one of my um, favorite movies to put on a, like, a, like a Halloween party in the background. 
because it, it really, fucks yeah, people it, up. It was really crazy just like sitting there and then like, you know, like, like we'd be like, oh, like Eduardo just sent their segment in and like Adam and I would like, you know, run to one of our places and like watch it and be like, okay, awesome. Um, Like Jason Eisner's is coming in soon. So that's the fun thing about making these movies is you just get to see what other people are doing and you kind of get to like all like playfully compete with one another. Um, And, you know, we're doing it again on this VHS now, like, you know, Ryan Prowse and Chloe. Um, and I, we're the only ones who've shot so far. Timo and uh, Jennifer are still prepping their segments. Um, Can I know I'm, anything about what I'm you've sure done? they're about to do it. No, I want to be top secret. <gasps> about How dare. Well, because, um, you know, I, I did a standalone mm. thing this time. It's a contained You're not uh, the original horror story. Yeah, it's not the wraparound. Jennifer's doing the wraparound. Um, and, and I don't envy her the task, though. I think she has it's an hard. amazing... Yeah. I think she has an amazing idea. And, you know, like, I think she has an amazing approach. Um, and so I'm, I'm really optimistic and I know she's working with, uh, and Andrew Appel who shot my segment is shooting hers as well. Um, and so he shot a psycho gore man and yeah. stuff like that. So, so he's a, you know, he's a cool DP and he really knows like found footage stuff. You know, he was like transferring our footage to like VHS tape, like while we were in production just to see how it was going to look and stuff. Um, I hope we so, never lose found footage to be honest with you. I never get sick of a good know, found footage. Yeah, but, you know, I, I get why people did get sick of it. You know, it's one of those things where, like, there's an immersive quality to found footage filmmaking at its best that I agree as a viewer when it's done well. I, it just feels I find real. so enjoyable. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I will just believe it. Yeah. Host, that, that Shudder movie that came out last summer. The first 30 minutes of Host were so scary. I... I I really liked it. I thought it was great, and 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 it was a great like pandemic movie. It was exactly the right length. Um, oh, know, it's exactly like, like fifty five minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah sixty three minutes of credits or whatever it is, and like I love yeah. So it. I, I really I, I dug that a lot, and and that was Me like too. the first movie watching it like in a while that I kind of was able to enjoyably immerse myself in the reality of the found footage experiment. You know the the verisimilitude of what they did with that like zoom interface horror thing where like I could tell that they were editing around performances in certain ways Mm -hmm. by like glitching certain people and stuff, but it was really very seamlessly and cleverly done. And, and that was, I thought like the best, uh, the best recent kind of found footage thing that I I personally have seen. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I feel like (laughs) this, this was so fun and I don't know what I'm going to call this episode. I really wish I could call it your next two but you oh, said not to so and at one time uh adam and i tried to pitch a terminator sequel that would have been called terminator prototype that would have been a prequel cool. uh, good title would have been a horror action thing so just call it terminator prototype i absolutely will okay i will thank I'm you i'm going to you should <laughs> um well thank you so much this was really fun this is and thank you. Best, <laughs> best of luck with seance and everything that's coming up yeah we'll see yeah thanks so much uh... okay so that was our conversation with filmmaker Simon Barrett. I want to thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you are still listening, I plead, I beg, I'll do anything. Please leave a five-star rating on iTunes. I would also love it if you left a review. I will read them. There is a couple now. Most are good. But there's one that gave us a one-star rating because apparently I said I don't like Halloween, which is absurd. I love the original Halloween. So if you're listening and you think Josh Cornett hates Halloween, you're mistaken. Maybe I made a joke about it. It's possible. I make a lot of jokes. Please don't take them seriously. I love you, and I love horror, and 
please leave me a five star rating. This 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 boy needs all the help he can get in the vast, endless landscape of horror movie podcasts. And we'll be back with another episode of Development Hell.